Welcome to Pharmacy in Focus, where I will be having pocket-sized conversations on current topics and interests relating to pharmacy and the wider health sector. My name is Sharina Vassan, bringing you Pharmacy in Focus on behalf of the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Pharmacy in Focus, where we will be discussing medicine reclassification. The COVID-19 oral antivirals Paxlovid and Legevrio were recently reclassified from prescription-only medicine to pharmacist-only restricted medicine. There was just two weeks given to ensure pharmacists had all the knowledge and processes in place to provide these medicines safely to those who meet the criteria for supply. Now, these COVID-19 antivirals were reclassified under a different legislation compared to how most other medicines are reclassified. So today we will be discussing the usual reclassification process and find out about the legislation that enabled these antivirals to be reclassified. We will also find out why it is that the sector often finds out about such changes when it is announced by the Minister publicly. Many have wondered why the sector isn't informed in advance, so there is time to plan how the changes can affect staffing and workloads. My guest today is William Allen, otherwise known to many of you as Billy. Billy undertook his pharmacist internship at Taranaki Base Hospital before moving to the UK to undertake postgraduate study, and he worked at several hospital, hospitals while he was there. Billy returned to a joint appointment with the Auckland City Hospital and the School of Pharmacy, University of Auckland, before moving to Hawke's Bay as the hospital pharmacy manager and later chief pharmacist for the Hawke's Bay health sector. He previously served on the New Zealand Hospital Pharmacists Association, was a member of the pharmacy steering group that advised on the development of the pharmacy action plan and served on the national executive of the Pharmaceutical Society of New Zealand. He has represented hospital pharmacy in the pharmacy reference group for the implementation of strategy for Māori health, on steering groups for the National New Zealand Universal List of Medicine, New Zealand Formulary, the Safe Medicine Management Programme and the National Medication Safety Programme. More recently, Billy was the Medication Safety Specialist with the Health Quality and Safety Commission before moving to the Ministry of Health on secondment as primary care pharmacy liaison for COVID-19. In May 2020, Billy took up the position of manager pharmacy at the ministry, then transitioned to Te Whata Ora Health New Zealand from 1st of July 2022. Welcome Billy. Now let's start with a brief overview of medicine reclassification. A medicine reclassification is when a medicine classification changes from, for example, a prescription medicine to a pharmacist-only restricted medicine, or a restricted medicine to a pharmacy-only medicine, or vice versa. Other medicines not listed within these classifications are referred to as general sales medicine. So now we know what, me what medicine classifications are. Billy, can you explain to us who can apply to have a medicine reclassified? Thanks, Sharina. Thank you for the opportunity to, to chat with you about reclassifications. Now, anybody can actually apply for a reclassification. It's typically, though, the sponsor or the manufacturer of the product that brings it into New Zealand. But it can be an individual 
or it can be an, an association or an organisation. For example, the Pharmaceutical Society in the past has put forward reclassification applications and organisations like Green Cross have done so too. Excellent. So anyone can apply to have anyone. medicine reclassified. Yeah. And why would someone apply, someone or an organisation apply? It's usually around increasing access to medicines, but balancing with that the, the safety of that medicine. So if, it, if the applicant considers a medicine to be safe and the therapeutic or outcome or the benefit from it outweighs any risks around safety, they would normally apply for it to be down-classified. But it could be the other way as well. If new evidence comes to show that something's causing harm, they may want it to be up-classified. So from a pharmacy only to prescription, for example. Yeah, can you give me an example when that's happened? Well, I suppose codeine was a recent example of that, mm -hmm. where the risk of abuse uh, and dependence was thought to outweigh the risks of having it available off prescription. Thank you. And what is the process of medicine reclassification? It's quite a formal, lengthy process, it's going through the usual usuals process. So someone submits an application. There's then a period of public consultation. So people like the Pharmaceutical Society, again, will respond to the application, either supporting it or saying why it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. It then goes on to the Medicines Classification Committee's agenda. They consider it. They make recommendations. Those recommendations are then noted by the minister's delegate, who usually is the general manager for MedSafe. Those minutes from MCC are then published along with the recommendations, and it gives people then an opportunity to object to those recommendations. If there's no rec objections, the, it then goes to the next meeting, and it usually goes through to the minister's delegate for gazetting and then implementation. But if there are objections, it can then be delayed because it's got to go back to the MCC, be reconsidered. A good process would probably take about six to, to 12 months. Okay, so you're looking for up to a year. Yeah. But that, and that's partially because the MCC sits formally only twice a year. Okay. And you've mentioned MCC, so the Medicine Classification Committee. Can you explain what the function is of the MCC? So MCC is a statutory committee under the uh, Medicines Act. So it's not just something that's been dreamt up. It's actually in the legislation. And it makes recommendations to the minister regarding the classifications of medicines, as, as you said in your intro, whether it should be prescription medicine, restricted pharmacists only, or pharmacy medicine, or not, not restricted in any way, GSL. And those restrictions can be down-regulated or up-regulated. So the committee's making recommendations to the minister to change how a medicine is classified in New Zealand. And what would you say are some considerations that lead to an application being accepted or declined? Oh, so the sort of things that the MCC has to consider, it's around um, risk and balance of harm versus benefit. So things like access and improved clinical outcomes, how quickly you want to get treatment, for example, the antivirals for COVID, you've only got a five-day window, so you, you want it to access very quickly. Equity of access for different populations, the risk of harm, the risk of misuse, the potential for interaction with other medicines that either on prescription or available over the counter, potential for interaction with herbal medicines. 
Um, what are the consequences if a, if a person was to take either um, too much, either accidentally or deliberately? So again, the risk of harm from overdose and any mitigation strategies that are put in place to minimize those risks, for example, reducing the quantity that's available, for example, paracetamol, 20 that you get from your supermarket. So it's a, it's a whole range of risk benefits that the committee will consider. And you've also mentioned objections. How are the objections managed? So the MCC will make a recommendation and they will, they will publish openly the reasons for that recommendation. But it may be that uh, new evidence has come to work, come to light, uh, or something that wasn't considered by the MCC at the time. So, so anyone can then object, so maybe the sponsor, for example. Those objections are then considered by the minister's delegate. He may consider, or she, may consider them to be valid or invalid. And then if they consider them valid, they go back to the MCC who may reconsider. MedSafe may commission some independent work to look into it in more detail. And then they'll, they'll um, quite often go back to MCC for their consideration again. So it's been about open and transparent about recommendations because the committee's got no um, powers to actually change. They only make recommendations. And as you mentioned before, the committee only sits twice a year as well. So yeah, formally twice a year. They can sit in emergencies, you know, for one-off considerations, but for routine work, it's twice a year. Okay. So we've had a, a discussion around the usual reclassification process now, and um, you know how often the MCC sits, and you know how objections are managed, uh, some of the considerations, uh, whether an application might be accepted or, or declined. Um, and, and as we mentioned earlier, these particular oral antivirals were reclassified under the Medicines Act 106, which is quite different to the usual reclassification yeah. process. Can you explain what the Medicines Act 106 is? So 106 in the Medicines Act 1981, as we all know, uh, enables the minister to, by notice of Gazette, to change the classification of a medicine. So change it from being, say, from a prescription medicine to a restricted or pharmacist-only medicine. But that is only, and it's, it's, it's a time-limited change. So it's, it's only for a short period of time, and that's six months normally. So it enables a change to come into effect for a particular set, set of circumstances. So in the time with COVID, we had a rapidly changing situation we were likely to be going into a, another wave of, of, of COVID. So we needed a decision of how we're going to treat that, that wave, manage it. We had a, two medicines out there that are available on prescription, but they weren't being taken up by the population to the extent that we were expecting. So how could we actually further increase access? And one way to do that was to make it a pharmacist only medicine or a restricted medicine. So a pharmacist could then initiate supply independent of a prescription. And you said that it was time limited. And I believe that the using Medicines Act 106 is a limit of six months. That's right, yes. If that change. So yeah. what happens after a six month period? It can either be renewed or it would lapse back to being a prescription only medicine in this case. Okay. 
So our decision has to be made before it expires. Is this something that we need to continue on? For example, is COVID still progressing? And is the current variant that is progressing sensitive to these antivirals? Mm -hmm. So do we need the, to maintain their access or not? So come the end of the year, so you know, December, January would, would be, um, or you would, would be looking at, um, would this be um, renewed for six months or would, would it go back to prescription only based on what the new variants are and, um, and how that's being managed with, within the community setting? I think it's probably too early to say what's going to happen at that time. These sort of things typically are decided like a week or two in advance, just before the expiry, mm -hmm. because we don't know what's going to happen in a few months, in a few That's weeks' right. time with 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 um, COVID and Omicron. Mm. So you don't want to make a decision too early or too late. But recognizing so, that it is it is time limited, yes. Then then the sector will likely know, um, you know early next year what whether these particular antivirals would still be able to be um, given to people who meet the criteria for supply um, early next year or whether it would revert back to prescription only. Yes, yes. Right? yes. Yeah. And, and the other thing that they might play with is the eligibility criteria. Yes. So they may keep it as restricted pharmacist only but change the eligibility criteria depending on sensitivities as well. So there's several arrows in your quiver, if you like, that you could potentially mm. use. Well, that's that's definitely good to know. Can can you give me an example of another time the Medicines Act 106 was used? Yes, I think they used it, I think it was just pre-COVID for MMR vaccine to enable it to be um, administered by a pharmacist without, without a prescription, you know, a pharmacist vaccinator. Mm -hmm. Because the way it had been classified at that time was there was a, a restriction on the, I think it was on, on the age. But subsequently to that, that was renewed. And then subsequently to that, the primary legislation was changed. So it went through the proper MCC, the full the full MCC process to get it changed. So the MMR went through Medicines Act 106 for that initial reclassification. That was renewed for another six months. So after that year, then it went through the, the usual uh, reclassification Cation. process. Um, to, to enable pharmacists, vaccinators to continue giving MMR. Yes. Great. Because the intent of 106 is not to be a permanent change. It's to cover a particular set of circumstances at that time. Mm -hmm. So if those circumstances are continue, you then have to change it substantively. And if those circumstances have changed, then it lapses. Great. Thank you for that. I think that's uh, it's certainly given a bit of insight into the two ways or methods in which medicines can be reclassified in New Zealand and how the Medicines Act 106 actually fits into that as well. So, um, so we know that it's time bound, we know that it can be renewed um, if need be, um, and if it doesn't revert back to, in, in this case, prescription only, then yeah, the, it's possible that it would go through the, the usual reclassification process if it was following the, the same mechanism as the MMR. Yes, yes, that's right. And the final question I have for you, Billy, is uh, the minister obviously announced that this reclassification was going to occur and the, the sector 
you know, found out at pretty much the, the same time um, and with a very, very short time frame of, of two weeks to implement this. Uh, can you explain you know, why it is that, that this happens and, and the sector um, hasn't been or isn't able to be provided this knowledge in advance so they can prepare? It relates to the, the dynamic situation that COVID-19 has presented us. Things change very rapidly and we were progressing into a, another wave. So politically and uh, from the ministry's point of view, things had to change quickly. So we didn't have time to consult, to give notification, to say that this might be coming because it had to happen very, very quickly to, as I say, flatten the curve, to get the, that, that peak of um, patients who get COVID not going into having to go to hospital. Mm -hmm. So it's really just being pragmatic and responding to the situation as it occurs. A little bit of work had been going on, I think, the week prior to the announcement around how 106 would work and the mechanism of that, but the actual mechanics of how we'll get it out there as a restricted medicine weren't even known until the minister announced. So it's a pragmatic response to a very rapidly, dynamically changing situation. Sure. And that's, that's again, very helpful to know. Uh, I think, um, as, as you know, the sector would, would like to be more proactive than, than reactive. Uh, but as, as you say, it was a rapidly changing situation and the decisions were made based on, on when they needed to be made, as you say, to, to flatten the curve and, yeah. and reduce hospitalisation. Yeah. So, um, so as well as the, the sector kind of having to, to grasp a, another change very quickly. Um, you yourselves and, and your team probably would have had to have done the, the same thing. Yeah. Um, so you know, yes, it, well, it's not as if there was a lot of work going on for weeks or months before, prior to it. Mm -hmm. it. It happened very, very quickly, very quickly. Right. Thank you very much. Hopefully that would answer some some questions out there on, on why it is that, that we find out at the same time as, as the public finds out about some of these changes. But that, thank you very much for your time, Billy. You have uh, explained the, the usual reclassification process and given, um, given us a little bit of insight into that and the Medicines Act 106 and when that has been and is currently being used for these COVID oral antivirals as well. Um, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Sharon.